Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. This is an RNZ podcast. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. When distinguished British thespian Anthony Hopkins launched his American movie career, he chose a lowish-budget thriller called Magic. It was hardly a new idea. He played a troubled ventriloquist whose dummy went rogue and caused all sorts of mayhem, blah, blah, blah. But it was clearly all in the playing. And because Hopkins' distinguished reputation preceded him, the local critics were deeply impressed. All but one. The great Pauline Kael begged to differ. She said she didn't believe a word. Of it. Abracadabra, I sit on his knee. Presto, change oh, and now he is me. Pocus, pocus, we take her to bed. Magic is free. Hopkins may have been a great stage actor, but he didn't convince as a nightclub act, said Kale. The way she put it was, there was no larceny in his soul. And that's the thing about the movies, certainly the major difference between American films and European cinema. Step right up and behold one of the unexplained mysteries of the universe. Is he man or beast? In their heart, American filmmakers believe they're making art. In their soul, most Americans think the movies are a racket, entirely dependent on selling them to an audience. Hollywood movies began with a bunch of unscrupulous hucksters luring the public in with promises of riches. The trick was to deliver just enough to get people to come back again. I am prepared to offer you folks one last chance to witness this supreme oddity. But you've got to offer the suckers something to win them over. If you're going to pick their pockets, you need to get close enough to reach them. The audience is the point, not the critics or the cognoscenti or the wise guys. Get the masses and all the smart Alex will clamour to come on board too. Nobody wants to miss out on the next big thing. Hey Barbie. Hi Barbie. Hi Barbie. Hi Barbie. Hi Barbie. Hi Barbie. Hi Ken. I can. And right now we're about to get a lesson in movie economics when the current actors and writers' strike starts to bite. With so many large to medium-sized films in hiatus at the moment, either unfinished or finished but unable to be released without the stars available to promote them, that leaves us with a lot of small fry. Wish we could just make our own movie. A great idea. So there's this guy, Johnny, a true American hero, to be played by me. He has it all. Good luck, many friends. And also, maybe Johnny is vampire. We'll see. 
This could be good news for some low-budget films that were expecting to be crowded off the screens by the latest Batman, say, or festival favourites suddenly allowed to reach a more general audience. But they still have to offer more than small-scale worthiness. All right, so I'm making, like, a little documentary. Oh, it's like it's a like... movie, but nobody has any lines and nobody even knows what it is while they're making it? Mm. No? Which brings us to this week's selection. Three films filling the gap left at the end of the film festival and this year's blockbuster season. None of them are particularly new ideas. A cute alien comes to visit, a kid falls in love with the movies and four lovable stray dogs set off on a journey. Hi there, uh, big dogs. I'm trying to get home. I know which way that is. Oh, great. Right up my ass, you little Oh, no, that can't be right. Two of them are lazy, assuming audiences will automatically come to see a story they've been to time and time again. But one of them rolls its sleeves up, gets out a loud hailer and hard sells an old idea with a brand new gimmick. Well, I'll give you a clue. It isn't a film called Jules. This is Sandy. She's an acquaintance of mine. Milton, what is this? Uh, this is an alien from space, I suppose. Jules is one of those films that you can sort of see why someone might have wanted to make it. You just can't see why anyone let them. It opens in small-town America, in fact, the town hall of a small town where the only people who come to watch Democracy in Action are elderly retirees, like Milton. I think that we ought to change our town slogan. A great place to call home is confusing. I suggest a great place to refer to as home. <clears throat> Milton is played by Sir Ben Kingsley in a rather exotic curly wig for some reason. Each council session, he and several other senior citizens get up and share their reckons. They tend to be the same ones until one day... We need a crosswalk on Trent Avenue between Frost and Allegheny. And also... Oh, my. Until one day, Milton startles the council and spectators with a new complaint. Something crash-landed into his back garden, and what's the council planning to do about it? The other regulars think that Milton has quietly lost his marbles. A UFO has crashed in my backyard, has taken out my azaleas, and destroyed my birdbath. When you talk like that, it makes them all take us less seriously. Did you just say UFO? But has he really? Sweet little old lady Sandy comes to visit and is shocked to discover Milton really does have an extraterrestrial visitor staying over. He's small, docile and looks like every strange visitor from outer space you've ever seen in this sort of movie. What is that? You remember the spaceship? This is the little man who came out of it. He's got to be a secret. Don't tell anybody. Well, hold that thought. Now, if there's a sweet little old lady in the picture, that presupposes there's going to be a sour little old lady. And here she comes. Joyce, played by Jane Curtin, who people with long memories may remember as part of the first ever cast of Saturday Night Live. May I touch her? She shouldn't know. We gotta trust her. There's nothing else we can do. You're gonna kill her. Kill me? You can't kill me. I'll kill you. That's what I'll do. Guys, stop it. 
Producer and director Mark Turteltaub seems to think this is all you need is the premise of a movie. Three lovable senior citizens, Krusty Milton, Sassy Joyce and sweetly supportive Sandy. And this is what happens when an alien comes to visit. What more do you want? And he's just sitting on your couch. Yeah, he's very friendly. He watches whatever I watch. He's undemanding. Oh, my Lord, I think I need to sit down. What more do we want? Well, form an orderly queue, I'd say. E.T. gave us likeable kids in a zippy Spielberg plot. Cocoon, the most obvious blueprint, offered heart, comedy and the promise of eternal youth. Mork and Mindy starred a young Robin Williams. And last week's Asteroid City blended Wes Anderson's unique vision with the best cast of the year. You think we can call him Jules? He's no Jules, he's more of a Gary. Your dad was in here earlier. He said he was buying apples for an alien. Like an illegal alien? By contrast, this take on the old story doesn't seem to know what it is, despite any amount of examples to draw on. For want of anything better, at first suggests funny names. Jules or Gary? Is that the best you can come up with? Also a bunch of drawings of cats from the alien who came to dinner. Thank you for the picture. He hands them to me all the time. Maybe he's trying to tell you something. Dad, come on. I'm worried. What you have said has not been normal. I'm okay. How can you say that when you're buying apples for an alien? Eventually, Jules the movie realises that three sketchy characters sharing a sofa with a small mute being watching CSI on television is shortly going to wear out its welcome. So it throws in Milton's daughter Denise, purely as motivation for lines like, here comes Denise, quick, Jules, hide in the closet. Jules has come to mean quite a bit to us. It's about Dad buying apples for an alien. And there's also the vague threat that the authorities may want to get their hands on any stray ETs, you know, the way they always do in this sort of movie. I'm not sure whether it makes it more or less appealing that Sandy regularly points out that they always do it in this sort of movie. I mean, there's meta and there's just unimaginative. The government is searching for a security satellite that crashed. Any moment we waste is a moment they can discover him. You've seen the movies. You know what happens to these guys when they fall to Earth. Mainly what's wrong with Jules is that it's an old Twilight Zone episode stretched beyond its capabilities. And the Twilight Zone had certain advantages that Jules doesn't, aside from being a tight, punchy 25 minutes long. Back in 1960, they hadn't been done to death by every man and his dog trying to be the next Twilight Zone. Last four hanging out together. We get along pretty well. We're so thankful for you. But the other thing letting down Jules is Jules himself, bland, featureless and mute. He's something for Milton, Joyce and Sandy to adopt for a while like a robot companion. But really, there's nothing there. You got me. What the... Last Film Show is an independent movie from regional India. Geographically, Gujarat is actually quite close to Mumbai and the multi-billion dollar Bollywood film industry. But in real terms, it's a million miles away. 
Director Pan Nalan made a splash on the festival circuit some years ago with an art film called Samsara. I don't know why so many filmmakers have to tell the story of how they fell in love with the movies. This year alone we saw Spielberg's The Fablemans and Sam Mendes' Empire of Light, but other precursors to Nayland's last film show include Cinema Paradiso and, of course, 70s classic The Last Picture Show. Well, let's meet the 10-year-old hero of last film show, Samay, dirt poor, working for his father, selling cups of tea to commuters at the local railway station. One day, conservative dad surprises the family by taking them to the local cinema. He usually disapproves, but this one, he says, is all right. It's a religious film. But it's a religious Bollywood film, so before the final moral is spelt out, there are three hours of song, dance, thrills, drama, colour and light. And Samay is hopelessly smitten. He wants more. Well, there's unlikely to be more, what with Dad's attitude and the fact the family is permanently broke. Samay tries to sneak in without paying, but he's soon spotted, tossed out and, more painfully, ratted on to Dad. Dad is old school, you know, spare the rod and spoil the child. <laughs> But somehow Mum manages to find a way to make Samay a delicious lunch every day. In fact, we only ever see her cooking in last film show, but what she loses in character development, she gains in providing a plot point. Samay's delicious lunch attracts the attention of cinema projectionist Fazal. You mean you get that every day, he asks? Samay offers a deal. He'll help out up in the projection room and get to see the movies. In exchange, he'll share mum's cooking. <laughs> And then, after seeing the film, Samay gathers his buddies around and regales them with the stories he's seen. His love of movies proves to be infectious. But soon he's not satisfied with just telling these stories. He wants to find a way to share the pictures too. <laughs> Yeah!
Now, a story as slight as this, Simei is clearly the on-screen avatar of writer-director Pan Nalan himself, so we have a pretty good idea where it might be heading, depends on how well it's told. Last film show had enough charm to be India's nomination for Best International Film at the Oscars this year. Certainly the clash between Samay and his father struggling to give his son the education he never had is appealing if a bit predictable. But the major attraction is the frustratingly fleeting glimpses of the films that initially seduced Pan Nalan, all these colourful Bollywood epics. And frankly, after a while, I'd prefer to see a movie like those rather than yet another movie about someone falling in love with them. Last film show is sweet enough, I suppose, if not really up to its many predecessors, though... Frankly, I had similar feelings about those films too. Don't make a film about how great the movies are. Make a great movie. At the start of the show, I suggested you can't just make a film with a time-tested popular plot. You have to sell it. And that means coming up with something fresh, something unexpected, maybe even a bit shocking. Today is going to be the best day ever. I love sunshine, I love butterflies, but more than anything, I love Doug. Hey! Shut the f*** up! Which leads me to Strays. It looks like an old-fashioned family film featuring live animals. Remember Homeward Bound or its French original The Incredible Journey? Or Babe, Milo and Otis, even Lassie. Now, let's take these kids' stories and go adult. I mean, full-on R-rated adult. That's Doug, the best owner in the world. <sighs> We're playing this game called Fetch and F***. Fetch. He drops me off really far away and drives home without me. Now, you can see this may be a little difficult to find clips to play on the radio. It's also a little challenging to even give you the basic premise, but here goes. Our hero, Reggie, voiced by Will Ferrell, has the world's worst owner, yet the poor mutt doesn't realise it, even when dodgy Doug keeps abandoning him further and further away from home. Hey, honey, you ever been with an Afghan before? I don't think so, but thank you. Take it from me, kid. He left your ass. No, that can't be right. You are officially a straight. That would mean... Doug doesn't love me. Lost in the big city, Reggie meets a street dog called Bug, voiced by Jamie Foxx, who sets him straight. Bug also introduces Reggie to a couple of friends. Hunter, the gigantic therapy dog with confidence issues, and a pretty collie called Maggie with a foul mouth and an Australian accent. Inevitably, Isla Fisher. Hey, losers. Hey, bug. Oh, if it isn't the tiny dog who caught the car. I did catch that car. No, everyone knows that's impossible. Yeah, it was parked. Yeah, it parked after our car. No, there was yeah. no one in the car. No one in the car. Listen, I don't even have to keep this conversation going. What I was trying to do, losers, was introduce you to my new friend, Reggie. 
Once Reggie realises how poorly he's been treated, he decides to take revenge on Doug. Now, I can't tell you his exact plans other than to say that Reggie will punish Doug more than any Doug was ever punished. You were strayed. You can do anything you want. I'm going back to Doug's. What? What the f man? And he needs to pay for what he did with the only thing he truly loves. I'm going to bite his f off. Oh, wait. Did he just say bite? Yeah, I I'm still a little drunk. But first, he has to get home with the aid of his new friends. And along the way, expect R-rated gags and stunts featuring pizza snaffling, unnatural relations with garden ornaments and couches, non-stop swearing, and at least one scene of everyone getting off their faces on magic mushrooms. What are those? Kind of looks like food. Oh, shit. Uh, give me a sec. You look different. Shit, you look different too. How so? Is it my human hands? Strays was produced by the hottest comedy team right now, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, whose careers were launched with an unlikely hit, the animated Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, followed by even less likely hits with the remake of 21 Jump Street and various Lego movies. Going R-rated with a kids' movie was obviously child's play to them. I recently this couch. Best sex of my life. Wow. And she dirty too. No, oh, well, I, I can tell. Looks like she hasn't been washed in years. I'll see you later, baby. It was nice to meet you. But Lord and Miller's secret weapon is also on display in strays. No matter how raunchy it seems to get, these dogs swear like other dogs bark. At the film's heart, there's, well, good old-fashioned Hollywood heart. Hold on, buddy! Ah. Holy f That is the craziest thing I have ever seen. And I'm Dennis Quaid, and Dennis Quaid has seen some how many of these should we eat? All of them? These mutts may have been rejected by their mostly awful owners, but they've got each other's backs and they remain fundamentally good dogs. When the chips are down, they'll behave like Old Yella, Lassie and the 101 Dalmatians, despite the language. I really should find my way back home. Any places, landmarks you remember? I remember the devil in the sky. Look at that guy! Burn in hell, mother son of a dumb smile, those it shouldn't work. Strays should be just a lot of cheap cracks at the expense of every Disney live-action animal movie ever made. Except the jokes are often hilarious, the story hangs together perfectly, I love the devil in the sky gag, and you fall in love with these dogs as easily as you would have in a G-rated version. <laughs> Bill is young and cute and fun, so of course Jenna loves him more than me right now, and I get that. Cool. Anyways... I was thinking if you guys were free later... But what I really don't get is why Jenna thinks it's so adorable when she spins around in circles like I can do that in my sleep. But you know what? It's totally fun. It's fine. Mm, okay. Since it's so hard getting performances from so many canine stars at one time, maybe everyone else was inspired to do good work too. Stray's voice actors were clearly encouraged to ad-lib around what the dogs gave them and the results were so much better than you were expecting. As was the movie. But that's the thing about showbiz, isn't it? You know, you're being scammed, but you still feel good about it anyway. So, on that guilty pleasure, it's time to go. I'm Simon Morris, and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. 
We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.